0: Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mooby, the online streaming cinema dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial subscription, go to MUBI.com slash FilmStage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the review podcast for FilmStage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hello. And later in the episode, we'll have a guest with us to talk about the film All of Us Strangers by writer-director Andrew Haig. Robin, would you like to tell us who that guest is?
1: Yes, it is Jason Leroy. Woo!
0: So look forward to that. It's going to be Awesome. Before we get into that, though, I would like to remind everyone that we can be found on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show, email us, podcast at filmstage.com, and of course, give us a uh, comment and a rating on whatever podcatcher you use that allows for such rating activities. Oh, man. Um, it is, uh, it's only been a week since we've been in your ears. Uh, we've got some stuff happen. And uh, I don't know. Robin, what are you feeling about the Oscars? any opinions about any of those <sighs> nominations oh
1: i have so many opinions um
0: okay, my well,
1: first keep it to keep it to yourself bitch
0: um, <laughs> no i'm favorite. not gonna ask you and then say well shut the fuck up no overall I'm just, you I'm know curious.
1: they're they're good i mean yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna argue with most of the best picture nominations although maestro was kind of a joke to me um <laughs> but you know everything's a nitpick i'm not gonna get so up on my high horse about the quote unquote Barbie snubs. Um yes, because, I would I
0: would I would actually be mad at you if you
1: well it's just like could could Greta Gerwig have gotten it? Absolutely. Um but but who are you gonna you know, knock
0: the, off? Like that's the that's the right yeah. I
1: mean maybe Glazer because I don't know if direct I don't know if the direction was like the standout out of the movie for me, but it like that is a very good movie um uh, the zone of interest so you know, I'm not I'm not gonna say none of them deserved it. And honestly, I still feel that Alexander Payne deserved it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, more yeah. than Gerwig in some ways, and he didn't get it. So, you know, it it just goes to show that the Academy um has a I'm not, you know, there is an element of sexism, but I'm going to say it's actually more of a bias against like populism and blockbusterism. I
0: don't even Um, agree with that though, because they constantly award big blockbusters recently, like billion-dollar grossing movies for the last like three years have been. uh, Okay,
1: Mad Max, like there are all these huge action hits that have these elements of, I don't know like the design and the the sound and just the the rollicking nature whereas Barbie is a comedy and the Academy typically goes for comedies more like poor things which is you know very uh, foo-foo for whatever you know whatever that means Um, Mm -hmm. you know it's more droll than laugh out loud so I'm not I'm just you know, I do think that Ryan Gosling deserved it. I
0: Ryan Gosling deserved it. He's the best
1: design. part of the movie. Yeah. America one hundred
0: percent did fine. not deserve it.
1: No, don't get me started on Margaret that. One, Robbie
0: but... didn't deserve it and didn't get it, so that's fine. I think the direction of that movie is not particularly inspired or interesting. <laughs> I don't know. If
1: I was gonna <laughs> choose the direction over the writing, I would choose the direction because I do uh, think yeah, that like if, it is visually much more interesting. I mean the but, writing on that again, movie
0: is is not good. I mean you you guys at home can go I and had
1: and issues listen. with the writing for sure. Yeah. I had issues with that. you did a whole um, episode
0: TV's about boring. it. The writing is not good. The fact that a movie that had the worst written speech of any movie I saw this year delivered by the <laughs> in the worst <laughs> way that it could have been. And both of those you things know,
1: were Farira nominated. just always plays the most annoying person in the room. Right, but
0: like sometimes that works. Like in Superstore, it's it's bang on incredible. And she has like someone someone posted a speech that she gives in Superstore when she is forced to go back to work after having just given birth. And they were like, this is more of an Academy Award, like, worthy speech than the speech in Barbie. And it 100% is. And it's I just, just kind of I want to talk annoying. about
1: the whole Barbie thing. Like, I'm just, like, my whole thing was just like, I don't want to get into it.
0: Yeah, you said you didn't want to get <laughs> into it, and then we immediately into got into it.
1: Well, whatever. I'm just saying, like, I'm not... I'm not hung up on it. Um, there are other deserving people in there and overall they're good. I would say just the weakest category of the majors is supporting actress. Cause like honestly, divine joy Randolph is going to win yep. not only because it's a fantastic performance it is. And she deserves to win regardless, but also that's just like a weak lineup.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not a great so one. I said my piece. Yes. She's incredible. Um, I think generally, uh, in- incredibly good lineups. I think it, it actually shows us how strong the last year has been. Mm-hmm. I the, think it was a great year for film. Yeah, it was really good. There was so much good stuff in there. So I was, I was watching it and, or not watching it. I like read it afterwards. I'm not one of those. Psych- oh,
1: I watched it live. <laughs> oh, well,
0: I'm not one <laughs> of those. I, have done since like I was Robin, like
1: apparently. in college.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like, all right, yeah, I'll see what it is, it was done. And then, um, yeah, I was like, oh, none of this is like super offensive to me. Um, I think that there are exclusions that I'm not thrilled about. It's, DiCaprio should have been in there. Oh, I was going to say like full on like, hey, we forgot this movie existed. Um, Things like Asteroid City.
1: Should have been there for production. Should have been there for at sure. least
0: production design, if not writing and directing and everything else. Like there's so much good stuff happening in there. <sighs> but it what are you came do? out
1: before Barbenheimer and the, those two movies just sucked up all the air in the room.
0: They did. Yep. Like a nuclear bomb exploding. Suddenly there was no oxygen and uh, that's just how it is. Um, but yeah, generally, generally is a strong year. And there's very few things where I'm like, if this person wins, I'm going to riot. Um, unfortunately, America for air is one of those things. She's not going to win. She better not win.
1: I don't know. I feel like all of the people that are likely to win killing Murphy, RDJ, um divine Joy Randolph and like whether it's Emma Stone or Lily Gladstone, like both are pretty deserving. So yeah,
0: I know. well I would have to say Lily Gladstone better win. Um
1: but I, I c- would prefer if she won because I think it was the it it was the performance that stuck with me, but I can't deny that Emma Stone was pretty great. Emma Stone Porfin. is
0: definitely doing stuff. Um <laughs> I I I really want Killian Murphy to win. Guy deserves it, and an immense performance. At the same time, Paul. If Paul Giamatti wins for the holdovers. I'm going to be like,
1: Ugh, Paul could be the dark horse. I'm rooting for it. Um, I mean, well, I shouldn't say, like, I'm not going to be gleeful, you know, against Killian Murphy if Paul wins, but I would be happy if Paul won.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, it's almost like, oh, well, Killian's got another one in him. It's like, yeah, but like, I don't know. I like Giamatti, I'd prefer.
1: Giovanni should have been nominated so many times before is this, this his first for Best nomination Actor. nomination ever? For Best Actor.
0: Okay. He's had a Supporting yeah.
1: Actor nomination.
0: Okay. What was the Supporting Actor nomination for?
1: Um, Some boxing film
0: from, like, 2004. Oh, I Cinderella honestly. Man? Yes. That's fine. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> who the heck won that year?
0: Uh, who even knows? This is another reason why this stuff is pretty much nonsense, because, like, no one ever remembers who wins for anything. You,
1: right. You remember the nominees much more so than... And then you could argue the nomination is the win.
0: The- yeah. I mean, you know, out of the hundreds of best performances, you're the bestest of the best. Um, yeah. So that's that's all I feel about that, really. But that was a whole thing. Um, if you had been part of our Slack channel, you would have seen so many conversations about Oscars. We have an entire awards channel so that that shit doesn't clog up the main feed. And you can become a part of our Slack by going to patreon.com slash the Film Stage Show. It's 100. been hot lately. Oh, it's been up, just jumping. There's a lot of music talk, a lot of food talk. Uh, we had some Irish whiskey talk for a little while. Petey. <sighs> Peated The Peteydest. I I drank some of that last night while watching All of Us Strangers. And at a certain point, I was like, <laughs> am I drunk? Um. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> Again, that's patreon.com slash show. For as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel and first crack at cool giveaways and shit. Don't forget that we are also brought to you by Mooby, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mooby. each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. Um, The movie that we were talking about today is based on a Japanese novel. So I've got a movie about Japan for you today. Oddly enough, directed by Werner Herzog. It's Family Romance, LLC. (laughs) (laughs) The movie also says it's from the United States. So German director, United States film, based in Japan. Yay, globalism. Yay. This is uh, what's going to save the world. I don't know. Um... (laughs) Love is a business at Family Romance, a company that rents human stand-ins for any occasion. Founder Yuchi Ishii helps make his client's dreams come true, but when the mother of a 12-year-old hires Ishii to impersonate her missing father, the line between acting and reality threatens to blur. And that is why this movie is directed by Werner Herzog. There's also some other great stuff. Yorgos Lanthimos, who we talked about a couple weeks ago with Poor Things, his Nimic is on there. Not only that, but we've got Fallen Leaves, the other movie that has the concept of falling in the title. So, once again, if you would like a free 30 day trial subscription to movie, go to movie.com slash filmstage. Again, that is M U B I dot com slash filmstage for a free 30 day subscription to movie. Robin Barr, is there anything else we want to talk about before we jump into our feature review?
1: No, I think we should just go for it.
0: Alright, that's awesome then. So, like I said earlier, our feature review today is All of Us Strangers. This is the newest film from my director Andrew Haig. And it stars Adam Scott, Paul Mezcal. Mezcal? This is this is gonna be a runner throughout this entire episode. <laughs> it also stars Jamie Bell and Claire Foy. And uh, it is in theaters now. Um, I will read the IMDb description, and then we'll play a little bit of the trailer. Then we'll get on into it with our guest, Jason Leroy, a screenwriter drawn back to his childhood home, enters into a fledgling relationship with a mysterious neighbor, as he then discovers his parents appear to be living just as they were on the day they died thirty years before. <laughs> Hello.
1: Hi. Saw so you looking at me from the street. I'm assuming you're not with anyone. Never see you with anyone.
0: this your mom and dad? Yeah. They died just before I was 12.
2: I'm trying to write about them at the moment.
0: All right, that's it. All right, that was the trailer for All of Us Strangers, this movie out in theaters now, and it is uh, written and directed, as we said, by Andrew Haig, and um, stars Andrew Scott, Paul Mescal, and uh, a number of other people that we're going to talk about. We begin, as always, with our nutshell thoughts, and we begin with our guest. So, Jason Leroy, what are your basic all-around thoughts on All of Us Strangers? Boy, basic thoughts about all of us strangers
2: (laughs) where to begin i have been on quite a journey with this movie i feel like i have a sort of a cliche about my own viewing patterns where i will watch something once i will have like a really just bizarre reflexive knee-jerk response to it um and usually a negative one and then i watch it a second time and i'm just like ah Like, it's a very humbling thing to have so little faith in your powers of perception watching a movie for the first time,
0: Mm. Um,
2: especially since we as critics (laughs) usually just get that one time on which to base reviews. Yeah. Uh, So the first time I watched this film, um, I was so completely thrown by a certain third act revelation that I, for me, I was like, I don't even know what to f- make of this movie at this point. I, this this is what I thought it was. It's not anymore. And I don't think I like it. And, like, I'm entirely too American and too Capricorn to abide whatever
0: it is this movie is doing. All right, well, hold on, because first uh, got to Google Capricorn to know what that means.
1: <laughs> Capricorn critic stereotypes. <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: let me just put all of that. I'm Googling Capricorn traits Hardworking. We are. We are. It's an Earth
2: sign. We are goats. We are grounded. We are pragmatic. Mm. I'm, I'm seeing suspicious, <laughs>
0: overthinkers, pessimist.
1: Like, oh, stubborn yes. like a goat. Yeah.
2: I'm. I'm suspicious of both of you, and I think this is going to go terribly.
0: Also uh, unforgiving. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I apologize, yeah. but I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's not going to work. You can try. but Yeah, well, that's right. uh, so, uh So, yeah, so uh, that was my response the first time. The second time, uh, I was able to, I think, meet it more on its own level and appreciate more of what it is rather than what it isn't. Of course, it was very helpful to watch it in keeping in mind what we know from watching the first time. So the second time I was much more positive about it than I was the first time, but I believe I received this invitation based on a review I wrote when I was in my negative place. Uh, so I'll be curious <laughs> to see how this goes in this conversation. Uh, but I still do stand by the questions that I raised uh, in that review uh, and <laughs> and look forward to hearing everyone else's thoughts. Uh, so yeah, that's my nutshell. All
0: right. Robin Barr.
1: Yeah. I found this movie particularly moving. Um, Is it spoilers to say it's somewhat of a ghost story?
0: No. Um, Like, no. Because, so, I mean, the INDB thing is a screenwriter drawn back to his childhood home enters into a fledgling relationship with a mysterious neighbor as he discovers his parents appear to be living just as they were on the day they died 30 years ago. So, if that's, first of all, (laughs) that sentence is out of order. That's a terrible sentence. Yeah. (laughs) Second of all, if that is what they're saying in that, I feel like they like someone is like, yeah, it doesn't matter that the parents are ghosts.
1: Okay. Okay. So I I really enjoyed that. The supernaturalism, the surrealism of this movie. Um, I was really taken with some of the visual motifs of it. Um, It's very mirrors windows, you know, take that for what you will for some that might be cliche for me. It was um, just really breathtaking to kind of take all of the, the visual cues in but yeah i i really enjoyed it um like a certain suspicious capricorn <laughs> i was suspicious of the, this movie from the beginning from the moment that he gets a knock on his door from paul mescal's character i was like I don't. I don't even want to say what I thought, but all I thought was they're both dead. <laughs>
0: they're all. <both laughs> this dead is purgatory.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I just. I don't take. I don't think we're grounded at all
0: in this movie. And no, so they're living like it, alone yeah. in a tower block, and they like sort exactly. of say like, "Oh, they still got to sell the rest of it." Uh it's not. But I'm like, okay, this is a lot and of business. You,
1: it's, <laughs> it's a movie that could be a play in some ways because it is mm. so tight and yeah. so small um it's a, it's a chamber piece in some ways a lot of like co- one-on-one conversations um i will say you know i thought it was a really beautiful romance andrew scott is such a i hate to be such a that critic but like he's such a revelation but like it really mm-hmm. is such a gorgeous performance um but it was moving to me particularly because i also lost both my parents at a fairly young age not age 11 like this character but it It was really striking and relatable for me to watch him have conversations with his parents as an adult, kind of understanding that everyone is dead and that there has been a gap in that time period, because I often have dreams where I'm talking to my parents. And for whatever reason, it's like, oh, I haven't talked to you in 20 years. Like, what's going on? (laughs) Um, And I'm not saying those conversations are as rich as the ones in the films, but they're there was something almost like deja vu for me. The writing so I, I, in I...
0: Robin's dreams has really been lacking in recent seasons.
1: <laughs> exactly. I had a dream where I um was talking to my grandma and I was like, Grandma, like this, I have this wonderful news. And then she was like mad at me for something. So it, it's not realistic <laughs> at all. Um, but they but they do happen. So I'm not a spiritual person, I'm not um ghostly at all, but even still, like I liked the the uh, loose membranes of this movie really just it really hit me. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I love it. It. I love a movie with nice loose membranes. Um Yeah,
1: you love that osmosis.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I didn't care for this movie. I <laughs> Ouch. I um I had to start this movie over. I like 20 minutes in I was like, wow, I haven't absorbed a single thing that's happened yet. So I I like got up, made myself some tea started the movie over in a different chair like i changed everything about the way i'd been watching the movie because i realized that i had been completely disengaged from it um so luckily i had a screener because you can't do that a movie theater that would have been real bad um i i don't care for andrew scott i don't know that i've ever seen Whoa. him in something and really enjoyed him
1: oh because you didn't watch fleabag
0: i didn't watch fleabag uh partially. Did you watch
1: doctor who I,
0: no is he in doctor who Early seasons. Okay. Uh, you mean back in the 60s? <laughs>
1: like the David Tennant seasons, I no. think.
0: Um, Luther you know, I, too, right? I have seen maybe <laughs> one full episode of Doctor Who, and it was a Christopher Eccleston season. Which is also great. Yeah, I love him. He's a great guy. Uh, he, uh, you know, actually, yeah, I was about to say I've never seen him anything I didn't like. But... Um, I'm not enjoying night country. So and he's in that. Which mm. is, you know. That's on tonight. Maybe I'll give maybe I'll give it one more time. There's only six episodes, right?
1: Oh, I don't at point, know.
0: At this point, I'm like a third in. I might as well just keep going. Anyway.
1: Um So Andrew Scott, not, not a your of boy. Andrew
0: Scott. No, not my guy. I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this who may listen to this episode. So what's up, Courtney? Um <laughs> And she, I said he. I just found him like unappealing, and then I said something like he was like rat faced or something, and she got super mad at me. <laughs> so, but like, yeah, there's just something about him I I've never really liked. I don't know that I've ever seen Paul Mezcal Mezcal, mezcal? Mm-hmm. I keep wanting mezcal? to say Mezcal. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: me too. I think I say Mezcal sometimes, <laughs> but I think it's Mezcal.
0: Okay, that's fine. I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything before. Uh oh, he was. What? In- you didn't see After Sun. No, I have not seen that yet. Um we Carl, watched The Lost Daughter, right? Yeah. I don't remember him in that, but I he's hated that really movie.
1: he's like in that for one second. Well I, there like I forgot
0: he was in that. Right. No comment
1: Oh, but you didn't see the Irish like sex show?
0: Yeah, no. Him, that sounds right up my goddamn. Normal alley. people. <laughs> no, I did not see. He's he's people.
1: amazing in that. I did he's not really see good.
0: Faux Um, no, I don't know. He's, he, uh, I don't see the appeal, um, but sure, whatever. Ouch! Wow! (laughs) So so both sides of this relationship, I'm just like, well, here's two people that I would never want to be with personally, and I can't imagine other people (laughs) wanting to be with. I don't want to
1: fuck either of those guys.
0: (laughs) Right, and as, like, a completely heterosexual man, I could still say there are a number of men who I can understand the appeal of, but it's not these two. I don't know. But anyway, um... I think that uh generally I just was on the outside of this movie and I never found a way mm. inside. There's one scene that I woke up for that I oh, we could talk more about. And like, and what's crazy is as I've thought about this movie over the past 36 hours or 24, I don't know, however long ago I saw this, I keep thinking, like, God, I hated that movie. That movie was boring, that movie was dull. Wow. I'm a little shocked actually Jason that you were like thrown for I assume that we were talking about the same thing that you were thrown for a loop in the third act reveal thing yeah I never I never see shit coming ever. oh my god it's so <laughs> it's so obvious <laughs> I it's it, we talked about Saul was it Saltburn? burn the thing where I was like oh I didn't realize that was supposed to be a twist I thought that was just text it was the same thing in this movie I'm like well this yeah. is clear and obvious and it's I, kind of annoying yeah. that the movie's playing it as though it's not. Um,
1: but it was still, it was still sad to me nope, to watch it not play a out.
0: Bit. No. Oh my God, you're heartless. I'm not heart. Well, I don't know. My heart- If your heart is in there, but it's like already been drained and destroyed and burned alive. Does that mean it's less? I guess so. Um,
1: yeah, you're just like a zombie.
0: Yeah, but there is one scene in this movie where I was like, "God, this is like incredible." And if if I only saw this scene, I would be like, "This is the best short film of the year." But everything surrounding that scene, I'm just like, "Oh God, it's oh, it's it's Wait, just still happening." What
1: was the scene?
0: I, Can I guess. Uh,
1: Boys? wait i want to guess too wait jason guess first
0: wait hold on. should uh, we should we wait for spoilers i guess it doesn't matter yeah let's guess let's just guess what my scene let's just was. guess let's okay. just okay. look in jason my,
2: my guess is the scene with his dad yes uh
1: oh that was like the best one
2: yeah oh
0: my god that scene was perfect I was wait like, let's oh.
1: explain so so just to get into it a little bit Uh, The story is about this very lonely man that lives in this apartment building where he sees no other people but Paul Muscal, who's this sort of drunk guy that's hitting on him. And he takes, he's a screenwriter. He's trying to uh, recapture a traumatic time in his life when he was younger. He goes out to the suburbs and he sees the house that he grew up in and he enters the house and he sees these, these adults and... They're treating him like his his. They're treating him as though they're his parents, but they're they look like the same age. They're played by Claire Foy and Jamie Bell. And suddenly we realize that they are his parents, and you know something tragic has occurred. And we later find out that the parents were killed in an accident when he was eleven, and he keeps going back to talk with them, and they all acknowledge that they're dead, basically, and that he's still alive, and what has happened in the last. I don't know, 40 years or whatever. And the scene that um, Brian is talking about is when Jamie Bell and um, Andrew Scott are sitting together and, and you know, you kind of understand that, okay, um, Andrew Scott is is an adult gay man. His father suspected he might have been gay when he was a child, but kind of ignored it or um, even just disp- 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 didn't approve of it or thought his son was like, I don't know, a little bit soft or something. And the father kind of breaks down, realizing how guilty he feels that he let his son be bullied, and that he probably partook in some bullying himself. And then Andrew Scott's like starts crying, and he's like he's make, trying to make it okay. But seeing his father break down makes him break down, and it's such a it's such a beautiful scene.
2: Yes, and i I've seen one. I've seen it pointed out that Andrew Scott is the kind of actor who when he cries on screen, he is such a visceral crier that you really just get sucked right in with him. Um, I, I am that some, way. Yeah. I'm somebody who, like, this is something I talk about in my podcast all the time. I, I I cannot cry. I never cry. Nothing makes me cry. And it's not something I'm proud of. It's something I'm deeply ashamed of. Um, <laughs> I wish I could cry. It's just your um,
1: Capricorn
2: neck. It's, it's that goat. Oh, oh, so <laughs> stubborn, so suspicious. Um, but that scene... both times that I watched it, the second time especially, like it gets me almost all the way there Uh, because when the way his (laughs) face just crumbles. Like I saw some account post of just screenshots of that scene with the dialogue up. Like it was so long ago. It was so long. And I was like, this screenshot is an act of violence. You cannot just casually show (laughs) a screenshot of him saying it was so long ago as his face starts to crumble. You cannot, it is not okay. It is emotionally unsafe for all of us. See, I didn't
0: get anything from him. It all came from Jamie Bell. Of course.
1: Let's
0: please hear the straight perspective on this.
1: Yes. I, j- uh, j- what have th- you done to Cora? <laughs>
0: what What do you mean? What have I done to Cora?
2: What
1: have you done that you're going to feel guilty about in 40 years? Uh,
0: I'm I, I I feel like I picked the wrong mother. If does that count? Uh-huh. <laughs> like maybe I need well, to. There we go. That. Um, <laughs> no, the, so honest, honest, to, honest to God, the thing that when I when she is older. I'm probably going to have to apologize for I like, I just don't even know how to say it I like my my fear is that in the future I'm going to have to sit her down and be like look your mother loves you but there's, there's just nothing you could do about it she is who she is and she's not always going to be there she's not always going to come through or like there's a reason her life's a wreck like I don't know what to tell you um,
1: you haven't had that conversation at all yet.
0: No, I'm not trying to poison her against her. I'm going to let her come to that decision. Well,
1: that's why I'm waiting. Like, I'm I'm trying to figure out if she's already experienced that disappointment Uh,
0: there. Yeah. But usually when those disappointing moments come, I just kind of like say, oh, you know, your mom. But like, I, I make an excuse, but I'm not like there's something intrinsic in her character that is broken and will always be broken. And this is just something we have to accept. Um, I
1: remember having that conversation with my dad about my mom.
0: Yeah, it's not going to be awesome. I I and I I hold out hope that her mother will eventually hit her stride and like repair herself. Sure. In sure. a way that she needs to. But like I've already started in my brain putting together the script for when yeah. I have to, you know, sit down with her and and really talk about it. Um otherwise generally, you know, like we talk about a lot of stuff for for a 7-year-old, like I go through as much as I can with her. You know, when, when she makes a mistake, I try to actually like sit down and have a conversation with her about why it was a problem or whatever. So like, it's never going to be something like, you know, I heard you crying in your room, you know, figured something was wrong. It's like, well, why didn't you ever come and talk to me? And it's like, I don't know, you know, it's hard. You know, I, I figured I didn't want to like be confirmed that my son was being bullied and then know that I probably would have also done it. And, um. Yeah, when Jamie Bell just like chokes sobs and says, like, you know, that he was sorry he didn't come in when he was crying, that that really did it for me. I was like, man, yeah, I can only imagine the amount of regret that you would feel, you know, to be paralyzed in that way and to not act. Um it would be don't know
1: if the director has any history of being orphaned. Like I thought no. about this a lot. I like how you a-
0: say history of being orphaned <laughs> as though it happens a lot. Oh, oh okay every, well every i'm just hay saying has like... just been orphaned like six <laughs> times it's fucked up background There's...
2: Orphaning. <laughs> yeah, i know that's that's the wild thing that he i think has realized that he set himself up for on the press tour for this movie is just a series of people being like so wow like that must have been really painful when you lost your parents and he's like i didn't lose my parents <laughs> <laughs> um it is it is it is not autobiographical at all. The you know, and I don't know if you guys know about the the, the novel that it's based on. It's based on a Japanese novel mm-hmm. that was written in the 80s that has a totally different tone and in pre- premise and vibe uh where essentially the you know, he a man bec- meets a couple that starts hanging out with them and gradually realizes they're the spirits of his dead parents and that they are trying to sap the life out of him.
1: Ugh. Oh, I didn't know that. So, so that's like way that's, more of a ghost story. That's interesting. So, yeah, cuz I yeah, read and
2: it takes that turn for the more malevolent supernatural element mm-hmm. that
0: fucking rules um no because last and that night that was his
1: actual parents that they're just like fuck you <laughs> we want your life force. us <laughs> i guess a lot of parents are like that
0: because I, yeah. I i i looked up the book last night because you know at the end it's like hey based on a book by this guy yeah. and i was like oh, i wonder what that book's like and i was reading about it i'm like oh that sounds like a better story and i guess i didn't Read enough spoilers of the book to learn that, like, they were malevolent creatures who were trying to steal <laughs> the universe.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's and so basically Andrew Higg, like came across this book and was reading it. And I guess it just it just the seed of the movie was just the idea of like, oh, what would it be like if you could go back in time and talk to your parents as they were when you were little and now you're an adult? And you're talking to them when they're the age that, you know, Uh, so that was really it. And the rest is just entirely imagination. Uh, His parents are alive and well, apparently. Uh, So, yeah, that is not a personal story in that sense. Although, of course, he he puts the character at his general age and imagines himself in, you know, Thatcher era England. If he could go back and talk to parents back then and the thoughts they would have had about him. And that's one thing I want to speak to about the scene with Jamie Bell as well. Yeah. Is that, you know, as, as a homosexual, uh, this is something that is, you know, relationships between gay boys and their fathers are can be pretty fraught. Um, mm-hmm. And particularly because, you know, you you look to your father as your entry to this idea of your own, you know, identity as a man, your masculinity. And, you know, and if you feel disapproval from your father because of your, you know, your queerness then that really kind of uh, does a number on you. And so, you know, and and it's something that to see him be able to, to see Andrew Scott's character be able to speak to his father and to acknowledge that pain, uh, to acknowledge that that rejection um, that he received, uh, you know, is something that like this is, you know, straight men have movies like Iron Claw, uh, where it's a Mm -hmm. father and son and there's sports, um, you know, and, uh, you know, gay men don't respond to movies like that. Uh, but you give us something like this
0: that you chose iron claw because to me that is a lot about this dad is terrible but these brothers are great Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i just know that it seems like to me my understanding has always been that there's like a famous mike nichols quote that if you combine a father and a son in a sport in a movie then like the theater aisles are going to be a wash and like straight men's tears
0: Uh, oh hell Uh, yeah have you ever seen warrior Come on, man. <laughs> oh,
2: yes, I have. And let me brief aside on that. I wrote a review of that movie where I sort of like I pointed out that the story, it seems so ludicrous that it must have been based on a true story. And that turns out it's it wasn't. Um, and, <laughs> and so my I, my sort it's of start a- the review of being like this, scene this is such an outlandish, absurd story that it must be based on a true story, isn't it? It's not, actually. It's entirely (laughs) fabricated to manipulate straight men. Yeah, it works because it's great. It it (laughs) works like gangbusters. And I have never had people come for me in a comment section, like I had straight Aww. men fighting me. Like because they were all Googling, they're all sitting there with their like embarrassed straight man tears, Googling like, what your true story <laughs> to find out. And for a period of time, so if they- you Googled were your true story, what came up was my review. And oh, there, no. there's my snarky gay ass being just like, this isn't even real.
0: And oh, then so so, me. okay. So I thought you I thought <laughs> I thought you were saying that these guys, after reading your review, were like, fuck this guy. It totally is a true story. You're saying that they were <laughs> yes. initially curious, Googled warrior Correct. true story, and then found you. with your, okay. Found not from me, of okay. people. people. Yes. I, like, I was like, it's so messed up that they would be upset that it's not a true story and blame <laughs> you for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't remember at all that Nick Nolte was nominated for an Oscar. For he was. Season. Oh, he was? And he was great. Yeah, he was yeah, great. He was, well, he there's was that won, scene he was where
0: he's drunk and he's screaming, turn the ship around. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even I know mean, if he, knew he was on camera. <laughs> I don't even That's know my if he, he was being filmed that day. That yeah. is one of my favorite jokes is just like, oh, yeah, it's a great performance. I just think it's fucked up that no one told him that he was in it. <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, any, <laughs> anytime you make that joke, it's the best joke ever. It always works. Yeah. Uh, but wow.
2: yeah, so that, that that was sort of the father and son <laughs> element that I'm speaking of. So this is this is the first time that I've really seen outside of the musical Fun Home. This is the first time that I've seen sort of like a reckoning between like yeah. a father and their queer child. Um, and that's you know, the in,
1: whole thing with Fun Home. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> the whole, exactly. It's not even one scene. That's the whole thing. It's the whole
2: ass show. <laughs> right. Exactly. Songs, multiple songs. So uh, but yeah, so that's that's another element of why the the scene with Jimmy Bell is is quite the showpiece, I think, for apparently for a variety of, you know, lived experiences that scene still pops. Yeah, Yeah, there's just something
0: incredibly like beautiful and universal about that, just like that, that concept of what are we allowed to say to one another? What are we allowed to feel like, you know, being concerned about how you are going to react to the feelings of another, but it's also your child like yeah there's but just... also
1: seeing your dad cry mm-hmm. makes me cry like the first time i ever heard my fault well i heard him over the phone it like crushed my spirit because uh, this was not a crying man
0: yeah I, I think i'm still waiting for that one
1: to hear your dad cry
0: yeah not like in anticipation i don't wish it on I definitely anybody i <laughs> don't think i've ever experienced that um yeah, even 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 like uh, even when we've had a few drinks and we're talking about like his battle with cancer, there were no tears. It was all. Very, I mean, he's he's your typical oldest of seven Irish children kind of guy. I love him for yeah.
1: it. Yeah, I mean, my dad was still a guy, hence why that was such a um, a ground shaking experience for me. But you know, I digress. So I want to kind of Is get it into fucked up that I want
0: to know why he was crying.
1: Oh, I will tell you. Okay. my father. This is a very long story. Well, now I'll make it very short. My father, say, our guest, um, has a hard out. So I know my father was uh, driving. Or no, he was. In, he was. Uh, he had a night job, and he was taking a bicycle to work, and he got hit by a car. And then when the police came to, like, see if he was okay, they found out he had a bunch of, I guess, unpaid parking tickets, and they arrested him because there was a warrant out. So my dad had to go to jail for a month the same month that I turned 16 and he was like really upset that he was missing my birthday. Cause he was in jail.
0: Jesus Christ. Okay. Wow.
1: Anyway. Um, <laughs> so we talked about the, the saddest or most effective scene in the, mil- the film. I want to talk about the, what I thought was maybe the weakest or the, the scene that took me out of the movie a little. That was about I think, to
0: be my joke. And I was like, now well, let's talk about the worst one. But you well, actually kind of going to say that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it does, it, it I think it speaks to, for me, that the this movie was so powerful that there was really only one scene that kind of shook me from, from what it was trying to do. And I love its subtlety in the way that it uses spirits and ghosts and... Just like, where are we? Or is this a fantasy? Does this guy even exist? Like, I, I like that we don't have answers about that. But then, unfortunately, the film starts to ground us in some kind of process with this ghostliness when he's realized, when his parents realize that he's coming to visit them too much and that it's taking him away from his, quote unquote, real life. And they decide we got to put a stop to this. So they go to the diner together And then there was like a scene where it's like, I'm going to let my parents go. And it's so, um, it's so literal that I thought it actually shook the film from what it was doing, which was keeping us in this, um, this surreal space that didn't feel like it had to answer anything. And once you bring like an actual process, like some kind of mechanism to understand, oh, they're going to like the spirit realm or whatever, that kind of threw me and it felt a little cliche at the same time.
0: Hmm. I was Debate me. Fun. I was fine <laughs> with that scene. That, that scene was a total neutral for me. I don't know. Like, I, Any moment where Jamie Bell and even Claire Foy were on the screen, I was like, I'm here for it. I'm enjoying this. Yeah,
1: they're the best part of the movie. Yeah. I, I, I think Paul Mescal's great. but
0: I,
2: I think that, that that scene, I hear what you're saying about that scene. It does start to feel a bit more sort of yeah like the subtext becomes text in a way mm-hmm. um you know uh so yeah and i think that there's 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 moments in that scene as they start to like go through like the stages like when she's like i can't see yeah um you know it, it starts to feel very yeah a, a little on the nose and then also maybe a little bit kind of bluntly manipulative yes um you know because it's no longer like a gentle it's now sort of like really trying to force you into this like harrowing emotional moment um as opposed to
0: bit, as a person who likes like we bought a zoo i'm fine with being bluntly manipulative sometimes like and i i felt like that <laughs> scene actually was like pretty decent in terms of being a bluntly manipulative scene it it like, was but she was like i can't see you but then like they touch hands and she's like oh i can feel it i was like oh my god that's really cute i mean yeah <laughs> i was i was moved by it i was yeah. definitely moved, I, I moved by that scene as well
2: um but i understand robin your your point about it I would say for me, the weakest overall moment is probably when during like the ketamine hallucination, which goes on too long. That
0: was like a 40 minute Um, scene. That's the whole second act of the movie. (laughs) I was so fucking furious when he woke up in that bed and was like, oh, what day is it? It's Sunday. I was like, all of that was a ketamine hallucination. It
2: has multiple stops and starts, multiple arcs within it. And I have never done ketamine, so I cannot tell you if that's accurate. But it is uh, it is a very long scene, and for me, whenever he rolls over and Paul Mescal is in bed next to him, that was just such like a. I feel like that's such like a, a joke moment in movies, like you know, hallucination where somebody that the person is in bed next to you, where'd you come from? You know, it it, it just felt like as a as a trope. Um, mm-hmm. It just felt like it kind of. I don't. I don't think it benefited the film. To, but he also to have did that. like he,
0: he did it like six times. So like he 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 got into the bed with his parents. Mm-hmm. And then that was like after Christmas or something. Like there was just so much that was happening. Cause he was in bed, then went downstairs. His parents are there. They had Christmas evening. Then he gets into right. bed, he gets back in bed with his parents because he can't fall asleep. And his dad's on the side and his mom's on the side. And then his dad gets replaced by Paul Mezcal. Mm-hmm. Mezcal, whatever. I'm just gonna call him Mezcal. Um <laughs> 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 not legally, technically, tequila. Um, and then, uh, it's not (laughs)
1: DOP. He's Irish. (laughs) I
0: was about to say, mezcal is actually, you have to smoke the piñas first in a way that you don't typically do with tequila, but also, yeah. And it it only comes from
1: like one region.
0: Yeah. Well, tequila has to come (laughs) from the state of Jalisco and it has to be blue Weber agave. Um, Mm. so when my distillery eventually makes its own tequila, we have to call it an agave spirit, but, um, yeah, it's annoying. What was I saying? Yeah. And then, like, and then Paul Mezcal's there, and then it's like, whoa, you're there. And then he's like in his own bed, and it's like, oh, you're still here. What what year is it? (laughs) Not what year (laughs) is it? (laughs) You boy, what day is it? None of that's
1: ever established, right? So half the time I'm like, Maybe he's in the 70s or like in the late 80s with his parents. And then maybe Paul is like this lover that he had in the 90s because that mustache is so retro. Mm-hmm.
0: Dude, that mustache, <laughs> I was like, he's also from the 80s. Or uh, yeah. he's right. technically homeless and crashing <laughs> in this place in an unfinished loft. Uh, well, oh, he well,
1: can get a squatter.
2: And
0: can we talk about, and
2: this is like I said, in my review. The weird element whenever whenever Andrew Scott first sees his father, and it appears that they are cruising each other for sex in the woods.
0: Yes, dude. Oh my that's, my God. What that's what I, what I, I didn't understand at first. I was this, like, the, literally, this, that. That's when I was like, I have to start this fucking movie over again. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> clearly, something. Yeah, that
2: I don't know, and, and the movie never explained like because because Jamie Bell is styled to look like such. Like an 80s daddy. As like as in, he should be Finland. in Lebanon. Yeah. Tom of Finland. Like, exactly. it is. And it, so I kept, when I'm watching the first time, I'm thinking, oh, like, his dad was, like, closeted. Or, like, you know, and this is going to be about, like, him and his father, like, connecting because he, his dad was, like, not supportive, but actually was himself closeted.
0: I also some, thought that's where we're going some, or, wait, yeah, hold on. something so, like that. Are you, because you brought up like they were cruising each other. Are you thinking that this is going to be a like time slippage incestuous father, son ghost story?
1: Not incestuous, well, but like, well, you know how in call me by your name, at the end that you find out the dad also would have like bisexual or maybe like gay tendencies or something. Cause he like winks, winks at his son. Like, Oh yeah, I had these romances when I was young. I kind of thought it was going to go that direction. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah, like none of that Poofter stuff, but like when I was <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't know. Yeah, also, no, no. it's it's Jamie Bell who, you know, this is like such a Billy Elliot callback and yeah. it's in its own way and which I loved. But oh, um, now he's
0: yeah. old enough to be yeah. the judgmental dad. Yes. He doesn't have yes. a judgmental dad. He is the judgmental. Uh, dad. Yes. <laughs> Sunrise, sunset. Yeah, I, I <laughs> you mean, he, you, I was, everyone has an arc from Billy Elliot to all of us strangers.
2: <laughs> I was thinking when I first watched this movie, I don't know that I knew right away. It, I saw it at some Academy screening, I don't know, in October or something. So I when you first see Jimmy Bell, he has not been established as the father. He no. is just a, he is just a very 80s gay looking man yes. in the woods um, that is Perfect. making eye contact silently with Andrew Scott, um, and then kind of even like does like the head like kind of like nods yeah. like, back into like the back into like the thick of the woods and starts to walk back in his little like tight Levi's and you're like I don't know where this is going, um, and then up to <laughs> and including I'm like I've no, I've done Kennedy but I've done this um, so <laughs> then so and then even as we follow Andrew Scott and he follows him to you know to like a you know Tesco's or something. And and they're making and Jimmy Bell is like making this very soft eye contact with him that feels still very, very cruisy. Yes. Um, you know, so it's not until you know, uh they're back at the house that, you know, if you're watching as a viewer without any concept of the premise, that you realize this is not actually a trick, that this is his father. Um, and as the film goes on, it never pays that off. It never pays off why there's this intensely coded gay cruise energy between them in that first sequence. And yes. I guess it's just a misdirectness. Andrew Haig being silly.
0: I, I have don't know. no idea. Like there's aspects of this movie that do feel, you know, and this is just me having seen a lot of studio G- Ghibli recently. um, Like very Japanese in that way where it's like, mm. Oh, you've left the city and you're in the sort of country in this liminal nature space. And Oh, you've gone for a walk in the woods and, a spirit is now talking to you and drawing you in. <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, in a studio Ghibli movie, they usually don't like offer you a Winston or whatever, but like,
1: I want to see the Ghibli version of this movie.
0: Oh hmm. uh yeah. I don't know. What is that spirited away? Maybe.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're all, I mean, I, but I agree with you that they all kind of have that vibe to it, but yeah. I'm just saying like that would, that I having Miyazaki direct, I guess an adaptation of the novel Would be interesting based on what I've seen of this movie.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, it would it would be interesting. I would I would watch that. He's probably got like what three more movies in him before he finally gives it up.
1: Three. He keeps saying this was his last.
0: I know, but like at some point, like God's gonna catch up with him, right? Like he's gotta die at some point. Like, isn't he old? Isn't he?
1: I know. I'm just saying it's like whenever someone goes, like, oh, it's my farewell tour, I'm like, yeah, right, bitch. Like see in three years. Shut
0: up, you're lying.
1: Um, yeah oh, John.
0: Whatever you say, share.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. It's when when the world ends, it's gonna be cockroaches and share.
0: Amen. She's never gonna end. <laughs> is she still like making new stuff or is she just going yeah. around? Oh
1: yes, she is. Did oh, you yeah. not hear her Christmas song?
0: Fuck no, I did not.
1: My <laughs> friend described it is. as an AI written song for <laughs> lonely gay men on Christmas.
0: And we found it and we love it. It's yeah. You listen to that and then you watch all of us strangers. Um, I mean, that's literally, you described unironically <laughs> yes. the game, the experience of any gay men this past December. <laughs>
1: <Jesus>. Yeah. <laughs> it's like DJ play that Christmas song. That on That is exactly, the there's also a song called,
2: <laughs> there's also a song called Drop Top Sleigh Ride
0: featuring Tyga. What the fuck is happening? I don't even
1: know what that means. It, a drop, <laughs> is a drop top,
0: is, top, isn't it just a convertible? It's oh I
1: thought it was like we're going topless drop
0: your top drop your top sleigh ride I like that
1: tits out sleigh ride
0: (laughs) tits out sleigh ride is a good thing I um what was it I think the the suspicious Capricorn I think is going to be what I name Mm. a bar eventually um (laughs) I forgot to make that joke when Robin first said suspicious Capricorn um I can't remember what I was going to say now. I don't like this romance. I don't understand. I just, I, it was never, I was, I was never like, oh, good. I'm glad these two crazy kids have found each other. I well, was,
1: don't you feel like he's strong-armed into it?
0: I feel like he's the type of lonely, and Robin, please don't make any jokes about me. I feel like he's the type of lonely <laughs> you where made he, it will, about
1: yourself, boo.
0: he will bite at the first hook that's dangled in front of him, maybe. Mm. Like, I don't know. I'm it's was so-, so drunk, it would have been a crime. Wait, what?
1: When Paul Mascal comes to his door, he's, like, so drunk that if Andrew accepted his overtures, it would have been a crime. It would have been legally non-consensual.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Right. What? It's true. <laughs> that guy was sober as a
0: gopher. Mm-hmm. is yes, yeah. where do you get the sober as a gopher <laughs> famously sober gophers Isn't yeah gophers all are well known <laughs> teetotalers mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm yeah. glad we both jumped to the term teetotaling <laughs> it was a race <laughs> yeah um uh, uh, I- yeah i don't know i just like i was watching it and like i just and and then i don't know i just never i never like got into it it, it was constantly like a disappointment to go back there when I'm like, this guy should be hanging out more with his dead parents. <laughs> it feels like there's a lot more thematically rich stuff Well, it's because the
1: romance wasn't that interesting compared to what you're going to achieve out of, you know, talking to your dead parents. Right, like, and
0: I and I wish that, like, I almost wish that there was something like, through talking to his parents, he became more comfortable with himself or something. But it really mm. just... They start to
1: zap very, the life out
0: of him. If, yeah, but not in a cool, malevolent way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be so incredible. <laughs> I would say, so there's... I, would have, there's okay, I wish he would have kept that. I feel like that's what this movie needed. One moment for Paul Viscal to be like, I don't know where you go on the weekends, but when you come back, you just look like shit. You're you're sallow." He's thalo.
1: not going anywhere. They don't exist. None of these people exist. Andrew Scott's character is like... Not even real he died in the car crash with them like that's <laughs> are, like, all the theories that I am having about this book. I will say though that it's a movie is, first of all uh, that's good yeah, thank you
0: <laughs> Oh yeah I guess fact. spoilers we, we probably are in spoilers and have been for a while but I'm just gonna yeah, follow spoilers. Paul Miscal is dead. I don't know whether it was by suicide or neglect did they or just
1: like he drank himself to death
0: that was my that was well that was mine that was what i meant when i meant to neglect but i guess suicide also counts as drinking yourself to death i just wasn't sure if he was like well that weird creepy guy who never says shit is upstairs and he doesn't want to fuck me so i'm just gonna die right now or if he like went home and like choked on vomit or something
1: maybe he died and his ghost went upstairs
0: to so you think he was dead already I think and the, yes. And his uh, ghost my theory is that like, he was always oh, dead. Man, nothing makes me hornier <laughs> than dying in bed with a bottle of whiskey. Um, I think. It, I think. First of all, that would be awesome. Um, I would. I would actually. I would watch that movie. A girl who's there like. There
1: are no answers to this movie.
0: A person who is so incredibly painfully shy that upon dying, their ghost is like, "Look, I'm already dead. The worst thing that could ever happen to me has happened. I'm going to go ask that guy out." And I'm then it sure works there's like
1: a million movies like this that are so low budget. You've never heard of them.
0: Probably. <laughs> I'm thinking of um what was there was like a Disney movie, the Disney Channel original called like Suzy Q or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. I have
1: definitely seen that movie many times.
0: I how um, did they thread that needle? Does she like come back to life as like a living girl in the 90s? Anyway, I'll look that up later. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. A there special just... bonus episode. <laughs>
0: Yes, we'll do a flashback episode to Susie Q. That's got to be on Disney Plus, right? Um, Probably. I just, yeah, I don't know. There was something about this where I was like, I'm not feeling any emotional catharsis from this relationship. I don't particularly, I don't know. There was just, I didn't feel any like attraction- it was. It was. It was really weird. It just was like these kind of these guys are just kind of hooking up with each other. But I'm not sensing there's like an emotional component that you would expect on a movie. Oh, a I thought they were so parents.
1: intimate. Mm-hmm. I, I love the intimacy between those those actors, those characters. It to me, it was beautiful, and I was sad at the end.
2: Yeah, I, the intimacy. Andrew Higg is really amazing at you know intimacy in general. It's something that you. That for me at least, I, I don't realize how little of it we see in movies until I see it done the way he does it in this movie. Mm. Um, you know, and and going back to his first feature, Weekend, uh, it really sort of became known because of how sort of blunt it is with its intimacy between these two men. And then he created the TV series Looking, uh, which also showed you know was was sort of built around mm-hmm. scenes of of intimacy between queer men. So but just the physicality of the first scene when they're sitting next to each other on the couch and they kind of get closer and closer. The rubbing of hands on legs is wild. <laughs> like it, like it's it's you just don't see that in movies. You don't see that kind of that kind of foreplay, non-sexual touch. Uh, yeah, I, I
1: told Nick I, that if, if I ever touched him like that, he would physically recoil. Well, this, So maybe that's me. my thing
0: is I'm like watching all this touching and I'm just like. I don't know, annoyed by it. My like, husband I don't, doesn't
1: like to be touched. I'm not like, you know yeah, I mean? touch
0: is not one of my fucking love
2: languages. I'm not like, saying anybody should touch their spouse like this. This is when you're first meeting somebody.
0: No, I know. No, that that's when you definitely so shouldn't touch someone like that when you're first meeting no, that's them. that's when you like, should. Do you want to get thrown in jail? Like, what's wrong with This is only hot with a stranger
2: when you are first getting to get to that vibe. When you sit next to someone
0: on the bus, you start rubbing their leg way too much.
2: A lot of beautiful couples meet that way. Oh, uh, my God. I
1: don't think I touch any part of my husband with anything but our lips. Like when we first got together. <laughs> Otherwise, it would
2: be like an invasion. See, Gay men are different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, clearly. You know, yeah, no judgment. Yeah, yeah we're. Yeah, we're, we're so we go that was my eyes. thing. Is I straight kept watching. Straight people are just too
1: ticklish. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: yeah, ticklish. straight. It's, yeah, I'm sure there's a. We last week we Googled um, viral loads in blood, semen, and saliva, and this week I'm going to Google are straight people more ticklish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do we just get absolutely disgusted by human?
0: Human touch is a very scary thing. I held hands with someone the other week, and I nearly fucking died. Um. Whoa, T. No, no T. Um, Uh low (laughs) T. I'll tell you off, Mike. Um. Okay. Yeah. What was I going to say? Yeah. So like, I see them, and there's. So maybe that's it. Maybe this. Literally, actually, maybe this is just a straight thing. There's all the touching, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. They're touching each other, but I'm not feeling. Any real connection beyond just like, look at them touching each other. Okay, fucking fantastic. I still don't believe that they actually like one another. I just like, there was an element that was very weirdly, it felt impersonal. And I just, I I, like that level of physical touch to me is not enough for me to go like, oh, these two guys are great for each other.
1: I feel like Andrew Scott didn't want any of this to be happening. But he felt guilty for rejecting someone. So he just kind of went with it. Well,
0: wow, that's hmm. even darker than
1: I, I don't know. I mean, but it's still like I still liked, you know, their connection. But I, I also know, think the way that you he was say just that not makes a good
0: it sounds very coercive.
1: You no, know, that it wasn't <laughs> coercive. It was that this guy is so um, you know, doesn't know how to relate to others, and so he's like- just
0: So here's a question. Is that because his parents died when he was so young or is that just his personality?
1: I think he said he's so afraid of, of being alone forever that it's just become like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Jason, what do you think?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I, I don't feel like it was coercive. I think that's part of why that scene is such a slow build of intimacy where it just goes from conversation to physically staying closer to each other to sort of light touch. Like it is, it is them gradually because Andrew Scott is aware that he is somebody who runs, that he flees from these things. I don't think we're supposed to feel good that he shut down Paul Mescal in that first scene, even though Paul Mescal was drunk. Like, you know, ultimately that was sort of like, that's in this movie's eye, a failing of his, that he is scared of, of, of of connecting because then he's scared of losing. He, he's afraid of, of, of being alone. He's afraid of intimacy And so, you know, he in Paul Mescal sees an opportunity to try to confront these elements of himself that he wants to get better at. And and I would say that the ultimate connection between the parental storyline, because I think there is ultimately connection. I think the ending of this movie is very optimistic in a strange way, because, you know, he is able to sort of ultimately get closure, the closure he needs from his parents, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they are able to, you know, he's able to release them. Um, And once they're able to sort of find this closure and then he goes and he finds Paul and we have this realization about what's happened and then he apologizes to him. And that's enough. You remember this. He he apologizes because he in this movie logic is in a way responsible for Paul's death because he was too scared and too isolated, too self-isolated to engage with another human being who was desperately in need of connection at that moment. And so yeah. he apologizes and it's a sort of he- healing moment for the character. And then depending on your read of it seems to then be able to then offer the same release to Paul's character that he was able to just receive from his parents.
0: I guess so. But like my issue with that is like. I, so, it, it, uh, it sucks that you're only here for an hour um, is so
1: <laughs> yeah, we're finally like getting into the meat.
0: Are we saying that Paul – no, because I'm about to ask, like, the type of stoner question that we're going to go down a rabbit hole. Is Paul a ghost or is Paul just a projection of Adam's, like, whole thing? Like, his his issues? Like, because if he's a ghost – fuck you buddy it's not my goddamn job to make a stranger feel better so he doesn't die of alcohol poisoning like that's that's like giving yourself a lot like i when he was apologizing i was like don't apologize to this asshole you don't owe him anything he wanders up having drank half a fifth of scotch oh his
1: breath must have been so horrifying he's swaggering
0: there he's being real fucking familiar and like i again you know i don't know I don't know. If if I shook hands with someone and their hand lingered like that, I'd be like, nah, oh. you gotta go. I don't care. Yeah, because no,
1: you don't want that, anybody to touch you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. That, that, and that scene I would, was hot as hell. You know, I'm sorry, that it, scene was
2: hot. It, the face again, that Paul makes it's in, it's in the door frame. Like,
0: that's yeah. so familiar. Um, and I'm it's not so okay hot. with it. You don't know me like that. So But, it, <laughs> but then for him, but like that's like uh, it's it's like a weirdly like incel thing for Paul Mezcal's character to be like, well, I went up, I uh drunkenly came on to that guy and he wasn't having it gonna fucking die now like well, I mean,
1: wait i, I have I, a theory
0: oh i love this yes
1: my theory is that paul muscal was an ex-lover of his from years ago and that's why he's so like 90s and retro and that's why when they go to that club it's but like playing like 90s music. Body. <laughs> so so he, okay argument okay. this guy died years ago and he's just reliving that relationship in his like swirl of fantasies about his parents and writing the screenplay. And maybe Paul Mescal died a long time ago and he didn't just discover the body. He is just also reliving a trauma with an ex lover. Mm -hmm. Boom. Blew your mind. Yeah, but he
0: like, I don't know. They're so upfront about everything that happened with the parents that it feels like a little too. To What do you, what do you think?
2: Fine. the, The only way that this movie can square for me Uh, is if it is ultimately just a movie that exists on a magical realism Mm. realm where Mm. it is just a ghost story. It is a world where people can become ghosts. Um, I take the timeline at its face value that Paul's character was alive for only one scene in the movie um, when he comes to the door, that he was just having, you know, he was just in crisis. He has that line that he says, the lyric from the song, like there are vampires at the door, or, you know, like which is his way of being like, my demons are tormenting me. I need human connection. And so I take it at, at face value that his character did die that night. You know, he went back and just overdosed me took pills. But the drinking, who the knows? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then from that point forward, he is a ghost in that building. So I just take it all at a very face value. This is a magical realism story where there are ghosts element. So, you know, the ghosts exist. Uh, in a way that you know andrew scott's character sees them so i mean i've seen all the takes i'm like oh no it's like it's it's all he's a, he's a screenwriter he's writing all of this or it's all hallucination or like oh, i no, cannot square any of that yeah, uh, and this is the only way it makes sense to me
0: i was like paul mezcal's gotta be a ghost like it, it would be weird for him to be undergoing like an identity like psychic projection and ghosts Maybe with the parents
1: before he came up there like, yeah, okay you have already died. said
0: that and i love it oh, but i, I don't think that that's true i don't think that that's, I just, I was i'm like, gonna write I just that movie great
1: idea
0: i'm <laughs> gonna write that movie but that is not this movie okay
2: <laughs> like the, the, the only other theory i saw that i thought was kind of interesting was the idea that that andrew scott is also dead, dead. as well and that also that they that there had maybe been a that there was a fire in the building because there's that fire alarm in the beginning um and uh, then and people repeatedly say to andrew scott they're like oh you're so hot you're so warm
0: um oh, so God. it's like it's like he's dead and doesn't know it
1: okay and I'm, I'm with that too maybe the and entire that's why movie the end, is
0: the, the minutes of him dying in the fire because he was
1: maybe they're in. all in the spirit realm including right. like the
0: the suburbs, we, the train. Okay, that's all fine. It? it is still messed up to take onto yourself the emotional burden of not having been down to clown enough to keep a stranger <laughs> alive.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm sorry that final I'm not slutty enough yes, to Yes, let's save talk your about
1: life. it.
2: Can we talk about that scene of, because it, that's part of why I feel like the Andrew Styles dead narrative has a little bit of, of salt to it, is that like in the end it seems like they both kind of go somewhere right they are yes. both in bed oh my and god it seems like they go they cross over together
0: what if what okay okay <laughs> okay all right he goes home right to his like childhood home sees the house there's a boy living in it maybe that boy's him maybe it's not but what if he goes into the woods and fucking kills himself and then oh that's and then his, no but then that's why his dad shows up and is like follow me son Mm. back to the thing like your mom and i are living here because we're dead that's why we're this age right i'm gonna take Mm -hmm. you to this place we're gonna hang out and they're not talking about his future really they're talking about what he was was because he's dead right i don't Mm. know i gotta i gotta take some time and get on my tumblr (laughs) and work this out but
2: (laughs) another question when the parents saw paul mescal did they know that he was also dead
0: they have because you, right? I mean, like, the
2: mom's the mom says to Andrew Scott, like, you know, something like he seems, you know, something like he seems sad or something. Like she's like, she says this thing that the second time I watched it, I was like, is that her kind of nodding towards like he's showing like he seems like he needs a lot of help? Like you'll need to help him, or something like that. And then by the end, he does help him. Uh, you know, even though it's all very, you know, opaque. Uh, but that was a thought I had. I was like, ooh, did they, are they like, oop, our son's dating a ghost. <laughs> is this, this is gay culture He's so proud of it
1: <laughs> I guess you know Are oh, we supposed to be this literal about the movie
0: <laughs> That's the thing I feel like uh, Not to get into like massive cultural differences But like in the western world Dead and alive ghosts and humans I feel like is a lot more binary Than it sometimes is portrayed in like The the you know the eastern cultures you know, mm-hmm. like the permeable yeah. membrane is mm. is a little more loose to the <laughs> east. <than laughs> I it love a loose membrane. <laughs> I know, that's why I had to say that. So it's almost <laughs> like maybe it's like an issue of translation in a way. I don't know. I still really want to read The Stranger's book cuz uh I like the idea. Do you no, I'm not going to ask you this cuz I don't want to get spoiled. I hope that they are actually his parents' ghosts and I hope that they just hate him enough that they are going to steal his life force. I hope it's not like it's a Windigo who's pretending to be his parents, mm. right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I really the
2: I don't know, but I do. I do think that I think there's even still something interesting in the idea of the parents sapping the life force out of you, even in the sense that like to be focused only on nostalgia for the past is to sap the life out of your present. Yeah. So I feel like there's still something absolutely, there. and that's, mean, that's why the they're whole like,
0: thing. get on. Yeah. You have a boy who loves you, and then he goes home. And it's like fuck, he's dead too. Right. Damn it.
1: <laughs> well, as Dumbledore says,
0: but then they become forget
1: how to live. You know, there's this very classic uh, scene or chapter in the first Harry Potter book where Harry um, starts to see his dead parents in a, in a special mirror. And he becomes obsessed with that. He's never seen his parents before. He's also an orphan and keeps going back to this mirror because he's just never, you know, he, this is the only way he can connect with his family. And then, you know, for the third night in a row, after having like a fight with Ron, Dumbledore is like, Harry, you, you can't go to this mirror anymore. You got to move on with your life. And, you know, this movie is basically like the same theme of Harry Potter, which is you have to you can't just focus on the past and, like, what could have been. You have to move on with your life. And- so
0: that empty whiskey bottle was one of Paul whore horcruxes? Is that what we're saying?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what kind saying, of a ghost like-
0: makes someone <laughs> snort ketamine?
1: Boy, like, what an <laughs> asshole.
0: <laughs> a gay one. A gay one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this ghost came up to me and, you know, tried to get me to reconnect with his granddaughter. That's a straight ghost. This other ghost came up to me. <laughs> And offered me a dime bag of ketamine that he wanted me to snort off of his keys. This ghosts
1: ghost want to have a good time. This
0: exactly. Just- Listen,
2: they miss being alive. You know what? <laughs> they want to rage. I get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> do we
1: have any final thoughts about? Yeah, this you've film? got
0: one minute before you've got to go. Do you want? You want to <laughs> give us your final thoughts? <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: Uh, 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 I, I I think I think it's a beautiful film. I didn't know where we were going to go in this conversation. Um, I do ultimately think it's I think it's a kind of movie that if I just let it wash over me, it is what I'm looking for. It is a vibe. It's definitely all vibes. It's definitely it's an vibes. all vibes yeah. movie. Yeah. It's an all vibes movie, and more and more. of That's what I want. I want an all vibes movie. Um, you know, even though again, suspicious Capricorn. So, uh, but I'm not suspicious of vibes, and you know, and these vibes. Uh, they checked out, they, they hit me in my feelings where I needed to be hit. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, of course, gay men uh, problematically are all in love with Paul Mescal, who as a straight actor and not with poor Andrew Scott, the gay one, um, you know, and that's also <laughs> part of why we, uh, why we need, why we like watching them together. I also um, had a crush
1: on Jamie Bell when I was like 12. I oh,
0: sure. you, see Jamie Bell is one of these guys where I'm like, that's a handsome ass man. I could go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Him in King Kong? Are you fucking kidding me? Anyway. Um... <laughs> uh,
2: so, yeah, uh, this is also I do also want to acknowledge the first time that I saw the scene where Claire Foy is like having him get dressed. Um, in the house that I thought that there was sexual chemistry in that scene too. I was like, why <laughs> are his parents think. both having sexual energy with him? Why is he going from being cruised in the park by his dad to being undressed by his mother while she leers at his torso? Cause house?
1: your mom is never your age. <laughs>
0: right. Have, we've all watched uh, back to the future. Right. Um... I think you might be misreading like admiration and oh my God, my son is so old to be like well, yeah I want to hiccup with that um
2: yeah to be the second time I watched it I did not get that same energy the first
0: time her face goes like whoa I'm just like
1: you know right right
0: yeah. it's not like oh you've grown so old it's it yeah or it is oh you've grown so old not damn look at that exactly exactly <laughs> so my closing thoughts are incest back to you <laughs> All right. Well, would you like to tell the folks at home where they can find your work online?
2: <laughs> sure. I have a podcast called The Binge Movie Podcast. Uh, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it is myself and my co-host, Rebecca Olarte. Uh, we've been doing it since like 2015. Uh, we say that we're like Siskel and Ebert if they were gay and one was a woman, a woman, but they still hate each other. <laughs>
0: um,
2: and then uh, my social media handle is excessfaggage.
0: All right. I'm glad that that you said that because I (laughs) could not hear that. Excess baggage with an F. Perfect. (laughs) Fexcess baggage. What does that mean? Um, (laughs) All right. Well, we appreciate you being able to take this time to talk about this movie with us, and um, we look forward to having you on again sometime. Thank you. I love that. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And everything, or not Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> don't forget to follow us on Facebook <laughs> and Twitter uh, at The Film Stage Show or at Film Stage Show, respectively. And uh, email us at podcastfilmstage.com. Go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. Uh, and don't forget to go to movie.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial subscription to movie. That is M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage. Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week?
1: We are talking about American fiction.
0: Uh, fuck yeah. I'm so excited. So excited! Five Academy Award nominations, not enough. Did you see it? Yeah, man, I saw it. Last all right, Monday last week. Yeah, I saw it. I'm excited.
1: It's okay, going to be a good
0: conversation. I've read the book, so I'm going to come with more oh, context you're and fully
1: knowledge. Prepared.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Um, super excited to talk about it. Going to be a great conversation, even if I have to have it all on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I will I think, make it. I think a good we're good. <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: you'd like to see brian's one-man show about american fiction
0: (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) nothing problematic about a white man having a one-man show about american fiction um anyway so look forward to that uh in the meantime our esteemed guest has already told you where you can find his stuff online so now let us do the same robin Barr, where can people find your work on the internet
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I'm also at Letterboxd at the same name. And uh, you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter.
0: All right. Awesome. As for me, uh, you can find a bunch of my writing in every episode of this year podcast over at filmstage.com. You can find me on all of the social media sites of which I am a part at Brian J. Rowan. And, of course, you can uh, find uh, more about the whiskey that I make at inkwellwhiskey.com. Uh, Go to Schmidt Spirits on Instagram and TikTok because we're starting to make a lot of videos and they're really awesome. And uh, you should check them out. Anyway, that's all for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Join us next time.